We're here to be a growing, relevant family of missionaries who desire to see Western and Gunnison know Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is everybody. Every last person in Gunnison and, and, and Western to know Jesus Christ. So we need to all be on task because there's great news to tell. There is. And we want to make sure it reaches everybody because that's what God calls us to. So we're excited about that. We're going to get into Acts 5 here. We're going to need to take a look at where we came from because these are not just separate episodes. It's all one story. When you enter the Bible, it is all one story. There you go. So what have our boys been up to? Uh, they prayed, they prayed that God would show himself mighty, that he would stretch out his hand and do signs and wonders. They proclaimed his good news. They proclaimed Jesus and, and, and God affirmed that with healings and, and deliverance and restoration and pouring out new life. They got revival breaking out all over the place. Uh, they, uh, the church is exploding. People are becoming Christians. They're coming to Jesus in droves by the thousands, and uh, we're going to take a look at what happens in the aftermath of, of, of when we have this crazy spiritual power that is, that is poured out, what happens, and we're going to discover the price and the preciousness of, uh, of, of what happens, uh, of, of this spiritual power. Okay, so we're going to start in Acts 5, start in verse 17, and go through verse 26 this morning. That's our goal Here's the plan. We're going to read it, we're going to pray, and then we're going to study it, okay? So let's read it together. Uh, Acts 5, starting in verse 17. But the high priest rose up. This is after all of, all of that great stuff just happened. The high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles, all of them, and, and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. And the angel said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And, and when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and they began to teach. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and all the senate of the people of Israel and, and sent to the prison to have them, the apostles, brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison so they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And, and some came, someone came to them and, and told them, look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. So uh, let's pray. Let's ask for God's help. Uh, Lord, uh, goodness, if we only knew uh, how, how much you love us, uh, how great your power is, how glorious your call is on our life, how wonderful your plan is and that you have called me and, and those here uh, and, and everyone to join you in the most beautiful battle uh, of all creation to redeem a lost world. Lord, um, so easy 
for me and for us to to say that with our lips, uh, Lord, in this hour, in this time that we have together, I ask that you would uh, let us cry it from our hearts, how great you are, how much you love us, how eager we are uh, to have our supreme passion be you and your plan. Lord, but to do that, uh, we're going to need you to come and open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts and reveal yourself and have us respond. And Lord, uh, I pray against the enemy, against Satan, his servants, their works and effects. I pray for the Holy Spirit that it would rain down upon us, blow through like a mighty wind, Lord, through the inner being of, of who we are and, and leave us changed people, filled people, directed people, blessed people by your grace, not because we deserve it. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me my sins, uh, and they are many. And I ask that you be glorified. And I thank you for this time. And I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wonderful. Good. Um, let's, let's dig in. Let's unpack this and see, see what's really going on here. Okay, verse 17. But the high priest, now, now we've had all this great stuff go on, right? The lives are changing. There is radical change in people's lives. Their physical diseases are being healed. Their spiritual captivity is being released. Uh, they are being uh, set free and, and, and finding new life in Jesus. And, and it is revolutionizing the city. It is going nuts. And 17 says, but the high priest rose up and all who are with him, that is the party of the Sadducees. Now, <clears throat> one of the results of this awesome power that God pours out in his people, through his people, is that stuff starts hitting the fan, okay? That, that, that I can't put it any more plainly to you. There's persecution. Stuff seems to be going wrong. And some of you are going, hey, I'm there. I'm there because my life, things are hitting the fan, <laughs> And you got to ask yourself, is it because you've been used so mightily by God? Or are you like some of the guys that come to me and say, I, I think I'm there because um, like I, I went out and I got trashed and somebody stole my county and somebody stole my pants and somebody stole my girlfriend and we had this relationship issue because I ended up at some other girl's house and, and it was you know through the night and then... Uh, I'm failing my classes and all that. So I think I'm being persecuted for righteousness sake. Not all fans are created equal. Do you hear me? Sometimes you're experiencing that because God is using you so mightily. And sometimes it's because the seeds that you've been planting in your life are now starting to sprout up and bear fruit. I ask you to read the seed packet. Stupid seeds. They're stupid seeds, you see? We can't plant these and then have them come up and say, okay, my life is a train wreck. I must be being persecuted. It's a different kind of thing. In the church and in your life, if you're following faithfully after Jesus Christ, if you're being used mightily, you're going to stir up some trouble. If you're not being persecuted, 
because of your faith, it should raise serious questions about whether we are really engaging in our faith the way that we think we are, the way that we think we are. Um, the apostles are living such radically charged lives of missionaries as we talked about in, in our purpose statement. They are living such radical lives of faithfulness that God is using him them so powerfully, it's as if Jesus was reincarnated in each one of them. And that's the call to us as followers of Jesus, Jesus Christ. That is Christ in us, right? He is reincarnated. So huge things are going on. Multiplied things are going on. And the enemies are rising up. The high priest rose up. Now the high priest isn't really the enemy. It's who influences him, right? Right? Because the people in captivity are not our enemy. The one who holds him captive is. Okay? But they rise up. And are, some are filled with the Holy Spirit. Others are filled with jealousy. So the apostles, though, you can't, you can't get past these guys. They have this mentality that we should be able to relate to. Because, like, we got um, fantasy football. You play fantasy football? Raise your hand. Come on. Come on. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Because I, I hear you. I, I hear you guys. I read your Facebook pages. What do you think? And we want to be in the, in the game, right? We're not satisfied with just watching, right? We want to be in. We, the most popular video games are ones from the first person where you're in the battle, right? World of Warcraft, whatever it is you got that you spend like eons playing. It's because you get to be in the battle. We get to be in the battle. In the battle. We don't want to be like my son Tommy. He played soccer. Those of you who know him, who have seen him, he is not built for soccer. If I gave him anything, it is slowness of body. When he played soccer as a young kid, he didn't actually want to be in the play. He just wanted to be around it so he could have a good view. So if there was a ball, he just wanted to be around what was going on. You laugh, but that's what we do as church, right? We don't want to actually touch the ball. We don't actually get in the battle. We just want a good view of it. The call here, what the apostles realize, is that they don't want to be the soldier who is relieved when he gets an assignment that's far from the front line. We want to be the one who is dissatisfied unless they're on the front line and there are bullets whizzing all around, there are grenades exploding, bombs exploding all over, and they are fighting for every blade of grass to defeat the enemy and set the captives free. It's not a game for spectators. It is not. And, uh, and so what you do, what you do in that battle is going to stir up, stir up the opposition. And they are filled with jealousy. They're filled with jealousy, verse 17 says. Filled with jealousy. Jealousy is when we don't want anybody else to have a good thing if we can't have it too, or if we can't have it first. And, and what are they jealous of? Do they want the Holy Spirit? Do they want the work of Jesus in their life? No, they want control. You see, they're church people. And they want to be in control. They're religious people. And they see people getting set free. Set free from the law. Set free from the burdens they're placing on people. They're jealous of this. They're jealous of this. And jealousy and pride are two things, two sins you're going to find together a lot. They're gorilla glued together. 
If you're jealous, look for the source of pride. If you're prideful, look for jealousy in your life. That's what, but, but I'm going to ask a different question. Does your faith provide jealousy, right? Does it provoke jealousy? And I say that in the, in the best sense of the word. Do people look at your life and say, I don't know what it is you got, but I need that. I can't go on without whatever it is, whoever it is you got. Or when they see your life, are they saying, why would I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ so I can be as miserable as you? I don't think so. Okay, so they were filled with jealousy. And here's what happens. They arrested the apostles, and he put them in prison. They throw them in central lockup. And during the night, during the night, verse 19 says, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out. During the night, there is a gap between when the apostles got put into prison and when they got set free. It was during the day when they were put into prison. It was during the night that they were set free. There's a gap there. Some of you are in that gap. Some of you are living in that gap right now. And it's been more than a few hours. And they were faithful. They were faithful. You rescue the apostles. You set them free. What are they going to do? They're going to go right back to the thing that got them in trouble in the first place. You don't rescue the apostles, what are they going to do? They're going to start a prison ministry. They're going to start praying for the guys that are chained to them. Some of you are in that gap. You're feeling like you're in prison in relationships. You're feeling like you're in prison in finances, in your heart, in attitudes, in addictions, in whatever it is. And the message for you, for some of you today, is uh, release is here. It has come. The message for some of you is be faithful because God is using this time and rescue and ransom is coming. Jesus has come to set us free even in the times when it seems like he's absent. Some of you need to know that today is the day of your freedom. Freedom has come. All of us need to know even if physical release has not come. Your rescue is here. Your rescue is here. The angel comes, opens the prison doors, and brings them out. You need to know this, that whatever the bars are, whatever the locks are, whatever the chains are that are around your heart, that are around your mind, that are around your life, that are around your relationships, that are around your future, that Jesus is stronger. Jesus is stronger. He will set you free. And he will set you free. Here's what happens. The angel of the Lord. Why do we have to say the angel of the Lord? Why do they say an angel? Why say the angel of the Lord? Because you're in a battle, the most beautiful battle, the most incredible cosmic battle that has ever been. It is for the glory of God in all the earth and for the joy of all peoples and the salvation and, and, and the redemption of, of a broken, shattered, splintered creation. 
it's so that people can come home, right? And, and be the men and women that God has created them to be. And an angel of the Lord in that battle, they're not the only angels. Okay, we're not, we're not going to do a study on angels, but I just want to throw this out there. Angels are a reality, our spiritual reality, they give us a glimpse of the battle that is going on. We have angels of the Lord. We have angels of Satan. There may be more angels in this room than there are people. That is a reality. Um, they are not our, our dead, deceased loved ones. They don't become angels. Angels are created beings who are ministers to those. Uh, they are ministering spirits. Some of you have seen them without knowing it. Some of you have, have felt the effects, but we need to live in the reality that they are here. They are leading us into action. They only speak what God has spoken to them. And so we need to look at what the angel said to the apostles and listen to what the angel and what the spirit is saying to us as he opens the prison doors, brings them out, walks past the guards, blinded them, busted the chains, busted the bars, more on that later, set them free, leads them out. They go immediately into the huddle, okay? Brings them out, next plan. Next plan. They're gonna tell, the, the angel is gonna call some audibles here. Verse 20, this might be the most important verse in the whole, in the whole passage. I want you to take a look at it. The angel gives them, this is the next page of the playbook. It says, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now, there are a few words here I want you to say with me. They're the ones in yellow. Actually, on the screen now, it looks like, like I don't know, it's pea. It's pea green. No, I mean like peas. Don't do that to me. Don't do that. This is serious. You ready? They're small words. I want you to say them with me. All right, the angel said, go, stand, speak. Okay, some of you are a little slow on the uptake. These three words, we're going to do them together. Okay, ready? The angel said, go, stand, speak. Okay, great. I want, I want us to take a look at the command. I want them to take a look at how remarkable this is. This is the opposite of... Stay where you are, sit down, and shut up. This is the opposite of that. Now, go stand and speak. And as I, as I thought about this, I thought, you know, we learn this as little kids, as early as the kids that are upstairs. When we had show and tell, show and tell. If you only show and you don't tell, you get a 50%, and that's an F. And some of you are really familiar with that. <clears throat> if you only tell, if you only tell, but you don't show, you get a 50%, and that is a, an F. <laughs> it's really familiar. Okay, it's show and tell, and there's this pendulum. And we believers of Jesus Christ, we tend to swing. You understand how ridiculous that is, right? To swing on this pendulum. We're only going to show. We're only going to show. You know, and then, and then we get that, there's that expression, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, what? Use words. 
It's necessary. Use words. Go stand and speak. You don't just show. You, you tell. You tell. You tell. And, and some of us are just, we, we, we want to go to Mario's and with our buddies, and we think we're just going to show, right? So all our buddies are ordering beer, and we order a Diet Dr. Pepper, and we're convinced that this is the thing that is going to save our waitress. Because we showed. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. I'm all about showing. But Jesus is also about telling. On the other extreme of the pendulum, we got people who are telling a message that they've not let have its full effect in their lives. These are people who want to tell you about how great Jesus is and how Jesus loves you and is ready to forgive you. And their lives just don't back it up, right? I'm not saying that we're not wrecked. We're all, we're all wrecked. We all have baggage and, and junk. But you know the hater? You know the hater that knows a lot of the Bible up here, but not in here? They got a lot of memory verses, man. They're into that. Fact is, they got an unsurrendered heart. They've been hanging out at church so much, they need to hang out with Jesus a little bit. Yeah? Unsurrendered life, right words, doesn't work. Show and tell. Go, stand, speak, tell. Because unless people are coming to Christ because of our life, we got to check our strategy, you know? We can't just uh, take that morally superior church lady face, you know, that looks like we've been sucking on lemons. And when your friends cuss, where they're like renting an R-rated movie at the Red Box. Yeah, that's, that's going to do it. That's going to do it. Well, you laugh, but there are churches upon churches who, who, who sort of teach this, I don't drink, dance, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. And that's, they really believe that that alone is going to cause people to veer off the road into their parking lot, break down the doors, and scream, what must I do to be saved? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Show and tell and tell. I will tell you, the people who love that saying, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Most of the people who love that a lot Quote, playing that a lot, or just check it, chicken to use words. The power of the good news of Jesus Christ, the power of his name needs to be unleashed in our lives. Needs to be unleashed in our lives. Let's, let's do this. You are, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're standing in heaven next to a friend of yours who was far from God and remained far from God. They're now standing there with you and saying, if you had such a loving Savior, such a Jesus who loved you so much and over, he forgave your sins, he gave you new life, if you had such a wonderful salvation, why didn't you ever tell me? What are you going to say? Oh, come on. 
I always picked out Christmas cards that had an overt spiritual message to them. Did I not? Did I not smirk at you in a sort of condescending way every time you did something morally questionable? Did I not do that? Did I not say, God, bless you every time you sneed rather than just bless you? What more do you want? Tell. Tell. Go. Where? Where are we supposed to go? Out. Go out. Where God has sovereignly placed you. I work at the college. That's my full-time job. That's my mission field. I live at home with my family. That's my mission field. My favorite place is City Market. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not against you Safeway people. City Market rocks. I loved it before they did the expansion, renovation. I love it more now. That's my mission field. God has placed you in your classes, at your college, on your block, in your family, at your workplace, with your cliques, wherever you go, that's where you go. And he has divinely put us all over the place, which means we don't stay in the huddle. We break from the huddle and we go. We go to where he's placed us. That's where we go, to where the people are who we connect with. And we stand. We're bold. We don't shrink back. We take a stand. We take a stand. We are not ashamed of Jesus. He is our supreme passion. He is the reason we exist. He is, he is the lover of our souls. He is the reason we have any hope. And he is the call to say, I'm going to the people you love who are far from me, and I'm calling them into this wonderful new life. Um, I'm using you. I'm using you. Okay? Go. Take a stand. Stand for him. That doesn't mean beat people up for their sins. That's not the good news. The only stick we need to be carrying around is not to beat people with. It's a cross. To say, you know what? All your junk, all your past, it doesn't matter anymore. He don't want to look at that. He wants to set you free. Huh? Just like he's setting me free. All right. That's where we go. That's where we go. That's where we tell. We have, we have that word missionary in our purpose statement. There are not some people who are followers of Jesus Christ who are missionaries and others who are not. There are only faithful missionaries and unfaithful missionaries. So we go because anybody he rescues now becomes the rescuer because he fills us and continues to go, right? Let's do this. Um, because we understand money, we do. Um, there's a benefactor out there who contacts you and says, I want to pay all your debts, okay? You've done nothing to deserve this. I want to do that because I love you. I want to pay off all your financial debts, all your student loans, your mortgages, your credit card debt, everything. And I want to give you $5 million, okay? I just want to do that. Now, um, I want you now, as a recipient of this, to go around your neighborhood, go around your school, go around your workplace, as my representative, okay, 
and I want you to talk to people that I exist and that I want to pay off all their debts and if they'll just share those with me, right? And, and, and also give them $5 million. Oh, oh, how wonderful that would be, right? I mean, there, there are people in our lives that, that we know are struggling to pay their bills, to pay their student loans, they're losing their jobs. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. <coughs> in fact, we would be kept up at night if we did not do that and, and we saw the, the financial struggle of, of all these people around us. Now, I'm, I'm not a, a, a prosperity gospel guy um, because I have a little problem with that. It's called the Bible. Um, and, and if, you know, if God's greatest desire for you was to be rich and have a promotion, well, uh, the apostles' lives would have turned out a whole lot different. All of them were martyred, pretty much, and one was exiled. So um, it just kind of, you, you got to cut out a lot of this to really buy into that. Um, but if we understand that on a financial level, salvation and new life, a plan and healing and, and comfort and forgiveness and life now and forever with Jesus Christ, a life of, of meaning and fullness and freedom, man, uh, you can't buy that with $5 million. You put that here, it's like a pittance. It's nothing. That's his call. That's his call on you and, and on me because the tomb is empty and there is good news to tell. And there are people dying without it. People that we love, yeah? People that he loves. And we have been called not to sit on the sidelines, but to be on the front lines. And the benefactor said, my resources, they're never gonna dry up. Um, I'm living in you. I'm appealing through you. Um, there are people who have been placed next to you for the very reason that I wanna speak life, capital F. Speak to them about this life, capital life. That's the new life. That is the life in Jesus Christ. They need to know. They need to know that there is a Jesus who loved them, who, who came for them, who died on the cross in their place as their substitute for their sins so that everything could be forgiven, so that they could come and be filled and, and trade that old life of death and guilt and burden for the new life of hope, and, and, and oneness with him and purpose and, and to become the man and woman that he created them to be, linked with each other and with him for all eternity. He has a life for them. He has a home for them. He has a relationship for them. He has a calling for them. Uh, they need to know this. We need to know this. And to go, to stand, to speak, and they heard this, and, and what did they do? They went. <laughs> they heard this from the angel, and they went. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak, and they began to teach. They left the huddle, and they did it. They went out and ran the play. They didn't, like, break from the huddle and then go on to the sidelines. What would that have looked like? That would have looked like church. Yeah, are you getting the sarcasm? Because I'm laying it on pretty thick. You say, well, sure. 
Sure. Sure they did what the angel told them. If an angel appeared to me and said, go and stand and speak, I would too. Well, maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. Here's a good way to tell. Here's a good way to tell. When you and I come here every week, um, when you read your Bible, when you pray and God lays something on your heart, when we look at this passage and God reveals to us his word and his Holy Spirit is here saying, go stand and speak. His Holy Spirit is telling us, go stand and speak. Um, If you're willing to do that, when God speaks it to you, as he is right now, as he's speaking it to me, then you would probably do it if an angel told you. But if we're unwilling to do it when God speaks it, then we would be unwilling to do it if an angel appeared and said the same thing. That's pretty much. So I want us to, to grasp the way to this. They entered, entered the temple at daybreak. We're going we're gonna to close it up. And they did it. They did the very thing that got them thrown into prison. Do you get that? Isn't that like kind of deliciously perverse? I mean that in the best way, right? Those of you who have always wanted to be a rebel, follow Jesus Christ, right? They're doing foolish things. The angel didn't say, okay, we're letting you out. That was a close one. We don't want to ever do that thing that got us in trouble again. No, man, they run right back into it. Some of you have been practicing this in other areas of your life for a long time. This transition shouldn't be a big shock. Go do the same thing that got you in trouble. It's just a different kind of trouble. No matter what, they're going to go back. They're going back, man. What, are you going to imprison me? You got to bring more than that. I'm going back. What, are you going to beat me up? You got to bring more than that. I'm going back. What are you going to do, kill me? Yeah. You want to stop me? You're going to have to kill me. And they know that's coming. Next week, we're, they're going to get the tar beat out of them. And they're going to end up rejoicing. We're going to take a look at that next week. No matter what, you can't beat these guys down. What does it take for us? Maybe don't play my favorite song. I quit. Man, I want to sit in rows. I don't want to sit in a circle. I'm going somewhere else. I just don't feel like it, man. I'm tired. Come on! If we really knew how much he loves us and how wonderful his gift of eternal life and a relationship with him and freedom from sin is, we'd be eager, man. Nothing would stop us. Put me in prison. What a joke. This is foolishness, right? From the world's perspective, I'm going to ask you, how foolish is your faith? How foolish is it? Or is it reasonable? I want a measured faith. Some guy came to me, used to frequent this church, um, doesn't hang around anymore. He said, the problem I have is I don't like to be surprised at church. I'm like, maybe you're serving the wrong God because he shows up in ways that we can't expect. He does whatever he wants. And our job is to write a blank check and say, you know what? You're going there. I'm signed up. Doesn't matter what happens to me. Doesn't matter if people think I'm a fool. How foolish is your faith? Okay. So they come. They send the, they send the officers to get the guys. Do you see this? 
this is like the foundation of the series Punked, right? They send the officers to the jail. These guys are chained up. They're unarmed. Plus, they're into this nonviolence thing. This is like the easiest assignment you could ever have. Go down the street to the jail, get these pacifist guys, and bring them back. And they go. This is like easier than a cop going to get donuts. You know, and they go, and they find the jail is empty. You know what they're doing, right? They're finding the rookie. They say, you got to go tell them. You got to go tell them this. So they go back, and, and the Bible says they're perplexed. I bet. I bet they're perplexed because this is reminding them of what? Empty tomb. Oh, man, we are in trouble. Same God is at work. Same God is at work. And they go back, and the captain, let's take a look at verse 26, this is how it ends. The captain with the officers went back, brought them, but not by force, okay? They go, the guys are in the temple, and they're, okay, gentlemen, good to see you. How you doing? You know, it's a little different, you know? I, I, I don't want to interrupt your message, you know, wrap that thing up. I know you preach a little long, but that's okay. Do your closing song, your invitation, whatever you got. Hey, we got a court date, so when you're done, um, if we could just orderly walk back with me, we just want to chat, chat a little bit about this Jesus thing. Okay, okie dokie, is that okay? Yeah, that's what's going on, because they know something's happened. And they bring them back, why? Because they're afraid. They're afraid that the people who are going to be set free are going to stone them, right? Because they know how wrong they are. They don't realize that the people who have been set free now understand that they want to set the jailers free. They don't want to bring them death. They want to bring them life. But some of us are still afraid even after this great love, even after this great freedom, this great forgiveness, um, we're still more afraid of what people will think of us, what people will do to us, than we are thrilled and empowered and invigorated by our great God, hero, savior, king, Jesus, who now incarnates himself in his followers to go out in his mission, in his power, on the front lines, and start setting people free. Far better than giving them $5 million, which you'd probably do stupid stuff with anyway. <laughs> the apostles are turning the city upside down, tons of people Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are coming to new life in Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. That's our goal in our mission statement that we talked about. And it's happening there. And it's only started to happen here. Just a taste. Just a little. We're very grateful that people are making decisions to come to Christ and, and find new life in him, right? Baptisms, it's great. They turn their city upside down. Fewer of them than are here. Same God. 
God hasn't lost his A game. God is not in a slump and not knowing how to wire this again. So as I think about it, what's the difference? The difference is that Jesus, Jesus and the people he wants to set free were their supreme passion. Were their supreme passion. What is the supreme passion in your life? What would others, those closest to you say, is the supreme passion in your life? Would they say it is to love Jesus and to glorify him, to advance his kingdom and his fame and to reach the people that he loves who are far from him? Would they say that? That's the question you and I have to wrestle with. Or is our supreme passion something else? Maybe something good. Maybe something good like um, our future, our goals, our grades, our life, our children, our leisure, our hobbies, our recreation, our comfort, our lifestyle, our um, money. Now, none of those things in and of themselves, many of those things are good. But Mark Driscoll puts it this way, when a good thing becomes a God thing, that's a bad thing. Your supreme passion is to be reserved for the only one who, who is worthy of that, and that's Jesus. And the difference between what happens here and what happens here is... Not that God has lost his A-game or that he was interested in turning the world upside down for Jesus then, but not now. It is a question of supreme passion. And we have to always check ourselves on that because those things that do take our supreme passion other than Jesus are idols and we worship them by putting them in the place that only Jesus belongs. I'm calling you to be foolish as the apostles were foolish because the word of God says he will use the foolishness to confound the wise. Confound the wise. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense to get free from prison, go back and do the same thing that got you in trouble. Seeing somebody come to Christ is the most supreme joy Somebody you love being set free. Oh, nothing can replace it. Some of you know that. Some of you don't. All of you can. All of you can. So we're launching a program. It's called One Life. We're going to be talking about it a lot. It is finding one friend, one person whom we love who is far from Jesus that we can, that one life, that we can pour our life into them, that we can love them until they know how God feels about them, and that we could speak. Uh, earn the right to speak and then speak. Speak God's truth into their life, right? Tell them of this Jesus that has so loved us, that so loves them, 
and that they can have new life in him, right? One life. If everybody here had one friend who was far from Christ, and if you don't, um, you're not getting out enough, and we got another problem we need to talk to you about, okay? So I want you to pray about find that, that one life you, you pour them into, you pour your life into. Every second Sunday is going to be our one life Sunday, okay? We invest in these people, we invite them. So every second Sunday, you bring your friends any time. We're going to preach the gospel every week because that's what we do. But this, this second week of every month, the second Sunday, we're going to make it crystal clear what the good news is and how to grab hold of it. One life. If every one of us did that, we'd have to buy more chairs at a third service and the fire marshal will be chasing us around trying to shut us down. One life. For the one life that makes the difference. Go. Stand. Speak. The results are going to be miraculous. Let's pray.